Well, let's get started today. I, I tell you, I have missed being in the pulpit the last three Sundays, and so it is good to be here, man. I tell you, the people in the house that have preached have done an incredible job. Amen? <laughs> and so I'm ready to show up and just mess it all up. No, I'm teasing. I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew, Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14. And, um, and I want to look at this idea, like that how God uses people, how God always looks for his disciples, his followers, to allow them to partner with him in a miracle. And it's the coolest thing. If you think about it, if God's like, hey, I'm going to do a miracle here, and you have an opportunity to be in the midst of a miracle, don't you want to be smack dab in the middle of that? Oh, yeah. Everybody say, oh, yeah. Yeah, you want to be right in the middle of that. And so in this scripture, I want to look at it. This is a popular passage. It's, it's the, the feeding of the 5,000, Matthew chapter 14. It says, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now, you understand the background of the story. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, has just been beheaded. And the news has come to him. He's discouraged. And so he's wanting to check out. He's wanting to go find a desolate place and kind of just take some time alone, take some time to pray, some time to, 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 to be restored. And I don't know about you guys. Sometimes in our lives when we're going through life, don't you just want to check out away from everybody? Like, like I know God wants to use me, but I just want to take a nap. I don't know about you guys. When I get stressed, I'm like those goats that you scare. You know those goats? You go, boo, and they fall over. That's me. When I get stressed, I'm just like, boo, I'm fine. I'm going to sleep, you know. I don't know why. I hate that, you know. And Jesus, I'm not saying he had a weakness, but Jesus was a man. And it's not a weakness to pull away to a desolate place. It's not. It's part of our process. At times, we need to pull away. And there is times for rest. Amen. There's times that you need rest, and I get that. And here's this moment where Jesus is going to pull away, but watch what happens. All these crowds show up, and Jesus can't help himself. He's so full of compassion, and he wants to bring healing to them. So he begins to minister, begins to preach, he begins to pray. Lives start to be changed, lives start to be touched. And in verse 15, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, and I like this, it's almost like they reminded Jesus, this is a desolate place. Like, like. Jesus, don't you remember we're checking out right now? And I know you've done a whole lot of ministry, but let's let these people go do their own thing now. Let's, let's get a fire. Let's chill out a little bit. You know, have some us time. Have some recoup time. You know, that's just what I'm picturing. He reminds them, this is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Sounds like a song. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy for themselves food. But here's the thing, Jesus, like I said, he can't help himself. <laughs> he says, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. You have something to offer. Every single person in this room, if you have a relationship with Jesus, even if you don't, I think sometimes serving is a great way to find a relationship with Jesus. I've met people who have started serving alongside the church, and next thing you know, they started seeing miracles happen right beside them, and they're like, whoa, how did that happen? It was Jesus. I want that, sir, Jesus in my life. You know, and, and so, but all I'm saying is, as you begin to move out, as you, but these disciples, they're just wanting to do like we do. Let's, let's worry more about our agenda, worry about our rest, worry about taking a break, worry about, it's summertime, amen? And I, I mean, I took two weeks off. It was awesome. I enjoyed it. Amy worked me every day. <laughs> I'm serious. I needed a break from my vacation when it was over. But still, these guys, they're, they're wanting to, to just do their thing and to send the crowds away. And Jesus says, don't, no, no, you have something to give them. And they said to him, we only have five loaves and two fish. 
And he said, bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the, on the, on the grass and to take the five loaves and the two fish. And he looked up to heaven and he said to, 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 he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. And then he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. Say that. They all ate and were satisfied. To me, this makes my mind go back to the Old Testament a little bit. Because in the Old Testament, there was a man by the name of Moses who had led the Israelites. And there was, there was thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of Israelites. And he was working himself to death. And his father-in-law, Jethro, said, Moses, what you're doing is not good for you. You're, you're trying to meet the needs of the people, but it's not good what you're doing. You're going to wear yourself out. And so he began to create teams of ministry. Okay? Circles of influence. And as he created these circles of influence, the Bible said the people were able to go home in peace. All right? In other words, they were able to go home in shalom. What is shalom? Shalom is the absence of lack. In other words, these people were able to have their needs met. Amen? How many just, you just want to have your needs met? Every one of us in here, don't you? You just want your needs met. And it's very difficult at times for a church to help people meet needs. I get that. But that, that's what we want. We want our needs met. And here it said that when they stepped out in faith and they took these loaves and these fish, that, that, that they were able to move forward with it and they all ate and they were all satisfied to the degree that they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces that were left over. So even the disciples, each disciple was able to receive a basket of, of fish and bread that was left over. Enough, more than enough to take back to their, their families. And it says here that those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. I want you to see a few things in this passage of Scripture, all right? There, there are people who are, are seated, and there are people who are serving, okay? So say seated and serving. So the first thing we see here is these people are going to have their needs met, but they got to sit down first before they can be served, all right? And listen, I know we have a lot of guests here today, and man, part of being a guest at a church a lot of times is you're looking for that right church. I get that, all right? But if you've been looking for that right church for three years, and you're here a little, and 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 you wonder why you're not satisfied, I would just lovingly say, sit down, stay a while, if it's not here someplace. Because when you're seated, you can start to be, everybody say, fed. Yeah, yeah. Because what happens is if you end up bouncing, 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 bouncing all the time, you never get into the flow of discipleship that a church is moving in. Does that make sense? And how many know, just like anything, it's, it's a living organism, you know? And, and, and a lot of times, man, we just, we get the highlight reels of church or the low reels of church, but that's all we get. But we don't get growth. So what happens is we can either come and we can leave and go, man, that place is incredible. You know, I'm going to go back. Or I didn't enjoy that at all. I'm not going to go back. I get that. But to go and to go and to go and to go and to never sit for a season, you will rob yourself of spiritual growth. All right? So there are people that are seated and there are people that are serving. And um, <clears throat> during my, my, my break, I'm always asking God when I'm on breaks, Lord, just speak to my heart a word. Something that I'm supposed to, to, to take the church in that next season. <coughs> and the word that came to my mind over and over and over, and I didn't like it, was the word sharing. Everybody say sharing. sharing. I didn't like it. I'm like, Lord, I don't, sharing seems so full of estrogen. <laughs> Just being honest, sharing. All the guys with me, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm like no, I want, I, want, I want victory. I want, I want a word like that. I want piercing the darkness. That's what I want. 
But the Lord just was laying in my heart this idea of sharing. And I started realizing that's really what ministry is. It's being shared with or it's being shared to, but it's sharing. It's, it's a giving of those things that are in common with each other to each other and back and forth as we have need. Amen? And there was a sense of sharing that happened here. The disciples, man, their agenda didn't call for it. Their desires didn't call for it. But they said, we have a little bit of stuff, and this little guy, that little guy shared everything. They give it to the hands of Jesus, and Jesus blesses it, and then they begin to share it, and it was more than enough. Just know that when you get into a process of sharing, and we'll talk more about this next week, when you get into a process of sharing, man, little will become much in the hands of God. Every time, every time, we see it in here. There's power when it comes to sharing. And here, until one is willing to share, one will fail to experience the hands of God on what's in their hands. So Jesus said, here, give it to me. And now it's been shared with Jesus, and then he takes it and he blesses it, and then he breaks it, and then he distributes it, and a miracle happens. But until they were willing to share with Jesus first, that miracle wasn't seen. Can you see the partnership of man and God? There's always a partnership in this idea of sharing. There's always a partnership in ministry. God wants to make everyone in this room ministers of the living gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? You're life givers. That's who you are. He wants to flow that in and through us. And so there are times in our lives where we need to sit, where we're receiving. There's other times in life where we need to serve, where we're giving. And we can kind of see this. These disciples, they begin to learn a very valuable lesson in this, 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 this experience with Jesus. What they learned was that God blesses and God uses whatever we make available to him. Can I say it one more time? God blesses and God uses whatever we make available available to him and so in this moment they made their time available in this moment that little boy he made his 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 vittles available in this moment they made all those things available and God did a great work now here's the thing that's neat about this these disciples they learn from that lesson and in Acts 2 you start to see the church taking place so Jesus he's he's buried raised again he ascends into heaven the church begins the the, the people in the upper room are filled with the Holy Spirit they begin to preach now there's thousands that are part of the church and in Acts 2 we can see these lessons have been learned about sharing these lessons have been learned about to, what God does in and through us together to meet needs in verse 42 it says and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers I wonder if when they broke the bread obviously when they're breaking bread they're thinking of Jesus but I'm wondering if they ever thought about that miracle man I remember what the time when he broke the bread and fed the 5,000 I remember there was a time when a miracle took place when we all held things in common when we all came together to do a mighty work for, for the Lord I can remember that well, here's what it says when they did these things. Verse 43, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So they're getting together, they're fellowshipping, they're in prayer. I mean, they're kind of doing what we do in church and what we do in small groups, you know, journey groups around here. And next thing you know, signs and wonders start to follow. And I, I've told you before, as a church, we do not want to be a church that chases signs and wonders. Amen? We're not going to chase signs and wonders. We're going to chase the God of signs and wonders but here's what the bible says signs and wonders follow those who believe amen and so i do want to place myself in a position where i say god i want to be your minister and i want a house full of people that will be your minister and we will place ourselves in a, in a position of belief that god if you'll use me i will be available i don't feel like much but in your hands i'll be more than enough in that moment amen 
Don't you ever feel like that? Just not like not enough, but just be available. And in doing so, man, in that moment, God begins to do a great work. And guess what happens? Signs and wonders come. Why? Because the Bible says they follow those who believe. So no, we will not chase signs and wonders. Guess what, church? Signs and wonders, they're going to chase us. Amen? I believe that. I believe that as we allow ourselves to be available to him, we'll see salvations. We'll see healings. We'll see deliverance. We'll see victory take place in people's lives. As we allow ourselves as servants of the Most High to allow him to use us and to move in and through us. I believe that with all, with all my heart. There is power that comes in that sharing of our lives with other people as God uses us. And these people, they learn this. And, and, and as I said, those signs and those wonders, they, they begin to manifest. Verse 44, and all who believed, they were together, and they had all things in common. That sounds like sharing, doesn't it? There's a sharing that's taking place of <clears throat> their lives, I believe of finances, of, 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 of material goods, of time. There's a sharing that takes place. They were selling their possessions, belongings, distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added, shout added, to their number day by day those who were being, being saved. And so we can see in the history of the church, when I say the church, I mean the big church, big C. Okay. We can see in the history of the church, God doing a work with these early disciples, helping them to realize, I'm going to use you, you knucklehead. I'm going to use you even if you feel like you don't have the ability to be used. I'm going to use you even when you feel as if you don't want to be used. If you'll just make yourself available, watch what I'm going to do in and through you. Okay? Watch what will happen when you all begin to work together. You, you know what will happen? You'll be in an upper room all in one accord, and my power will show up, and I'll fill you with the Spirit, and you'll begin to preach the gospel, and within days, thousands will come to know me. You know? you, you'll go from that and continue to move in things all in common and, and sharing and, and realizing that we're there to serve each other and, and not just sit on our hands, but we're there to serve. And in doing so, God will build a church that 2,000 years later, Ross Wiseman, at 659 Arnold Mill Road, we'll be telling the same type of stories and the same types of experiences of what Jesus can do all those years later. Amen? And guess what? You are a part of that church today. Amen? That's the big C church. The other thing is, <coughs> you are also a part of the little C church. And that's Momentum Church. Okay? And how, how many know? There's so many good churches in Woodstock, Georgia. There are. I mean, some of the, the, my, my, my best friends are the pastors of the churches in this region. I love them all dearly. There's great places to be. But God has his hand on different churches for different reasons. And when you link up with a certain church, there's just certain purposes and, and, and functions that those churches will do. Man, they're awesome. And I want to take us into a little bit of the history of, of our church. And then the reason why is because as a pastor, sometimes you come to the pulpit and you preach evangelistically. Okay. Sometimes as a pastor, you've got to come to the pulpit and kind of just, I guess you just say, be like a father and just help set tone again for the church. Does that make sense? And, and as you can see, the series, this two-week series is called Two Chairs. And Amy was so cute. She, I was telling her about this story, this sermon. And she says, are you going to get that big white chair out of Christie's office and sit in it? And, you know, just be fatherly. Just sit in it and talk to the people. No, I'm not going to do that. She says, why? I said, because my feet don't touch the ground. I'm not going to sit in a big chair with my feet. No. That is, that'll look hilarious. 
So I'm going to stand and preach to you. But we're looking at the idea of, of, of two chairs. And, and here's the thing. I want to just take you a little bit in the history of our church because I believe that we've got to understand where we've come from and, and some of the mistakes we made and where we're at now and where we're going to be going. Amen? And so if you are a guest with us, man, this is an awesome day because you're going to kind of hear our heart and where we're going. And so I want to just tell you, when we started this church 13 years ago, we started at a coffee shop, the Serene Bean Coffee Shop. And within about six months, we'd grown to about 40 people at that coffee shop. And, um, and we were getting ready to go to the movie theater and plant at the movie theater. And um, so with those 40 people, I'm talking about like average attendance, 40 people, we had 18 adults and four teenagers, that's 22 people that were on our volunteer team, that were on our, our, our team momentum, on our serving team. And so that's amazing if you think about it. Over 50% of our average Sunday morning attendants were a part of the volunteer force of our church. And next thing you know, as we started a church, a strong culture of serving took place in our church. It was just amazing. Literally, uh, we grew to 150 people at that movie theater on average. Um, sometimes a little bit more, but on average about 150 people. Out of the 150 people, we had over 60 volunteers, you know. Almost 50% again in volunteerism in, in the church there at the movie theater. It was amazing, the culture that we had. And, 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 and God just did amazing things. We saw um, people saved and lives changed. And, and, and I remember thinking one time, man, God's in it. I know God's in it. That first summer, 50% of all church plants don't make it through their first summer. Did you know that? And that first summer, I had got to talk with a person that was backslidden at a coffee shop, and they came to church the next Sunday and gave their life to the Lord, rededicated their lives to the Lord. And the guy hands me a check, and I put it in my pocket. Didn't know what it was. And we ended up tearing down church because we were portable and put everything in the trailers, and it's summer, so it's hot, and I'm dying. And I pull that check out. Don't tear it. It's wet. Ooh, gross. I pull it out. $10,000. Man, I just was like, God, you're in this this is it. This is how powerful. Thank you, Lord. That carried us through to the fall. And God just kept that church moving and growing. And, and we got to a point in about five years in, four and a half years in, that it was time to get our own building. And so we found a warehouse over on 92, and we built the place out, and we did it ourselves. And this is where this story kind of comes to bear. <coughs> we did it ourselves. It took us about five and a half months to build out, and we were worn out. Right, Eddie? We were plumb worn out building that building. And so many of you guys helped with the build out. And um, we get into the new building, and, um, and we had a great Easter service, great couple weeks. And then it was like pulling teeth to get people to serve for the next six months. And, you know, and as pastor, I was just like, you know what, we're all worn out. I get it. I'm not going to be, uh, I've never been that abusive pastor. I've never been, you know, like that slave driver. Um, my staff will tell you different. No. Um, I've worked really hard to always just be that shoulder-to-shoulder kind of guy, right? Like, we're in this together. Let's do this, you know. And so, um, but, man, my heart was sad through the summer. And I just realized, you know, it's summertime. We're just going to uh, suck it up. Everybody's worn out. I get it. I was worn out, too. And, um, and then August came. And we couldn't even hardly get door greeters. And September came, and it didn't get better. And October came. And so we're six months. And it was just we lost who we were. As a church, we were always the church that served. And next thing you know, we lost sight of who we were. And when we lost sight of who we were, we stopped reaching those who were lost. We stopped hearing those testimonies, those signs, those wonders, those miracles, those life changes. And we were just becoming like the next nice little church. That we get together, we focus on some good word, how it applies to me, sing a little bit, and leave. And we'll see you all next week. If life change happens, great. If not, eh, it's okay. 
you know. And man, I'm telling you, I was not as mature as I am now. And so what ended up happening was <coughs> we had an event, and this event I go to set up, and nobody was there, and I set up by myself. And then Christine Batten came. I worked about four hours of the event. And then Christine Batten came, and she worked about four hours of the event. It was an all day. It was a long event. And, um, and then I came back and finished four hours of an event and then tore down by myself. So set up and tore. So the next day at church on Sunday, I was ugly. Just being honest, I was ugly. I apologize. I was ugly. And I was like, this isn't the church I came to pastor. If this is the kind of church we're going to be, I can find another group of people. That was kind of, I was being pissy. You can't say that in church. I just did. <laughs> I was. I was just not being nice. And, um, but there was some truth in that, you know, that I was so thankful that we'd always been a church that had high percentage of volunteerism. Uh, and, and we'd always been a church that just, we served, we went shoulder to shoulder, and we did the work of the Lord. But we were tired. And out of that exhaustion, we had stopped serving. And I had challenged our body. And what was so neat, I challenged them that morning. And thank God they heard my heart and they didn't just listen that I was pouting, okay. And the next couple weeks later, we had a big event. And you know what? We had over 100. For a church that was running about 200 people, 220 people, we had over 100 volunteers for that one event. Amen? Give God some praise. I'm serious. Now... <laughs> And it never stopped. From then on, the body just got it. And there was just high percentage of volunteerism, over 50% volunteers for years and years and years and years. And let me just fast forward. So we're there, <coughs> and about four years ago, about August, four years ago, God starts to do a miracle in our church. And next thing you know, over a two-year period, we double in size. The church just starts growing. Finances are killing it. We go from our little warehouse to buying this property. I mean, it was like we couldn't get away from miracles, signs, wonders, incredible things. It was amazing. And we get in here, and I'll just be honest, what I started realizing, we came to this building about three years ago, and I feel, and I want to apologize for this, I feel like what happened is we got lost in the joy of success for about a year and a half, okay? For about a year and a half. I've just been meditating on this. On my hike, the Lord started showing me this stuff. Back in May, and I've been just meditating on it. And I feel like what happened was we grew so fast. We had so many amazing people coming in this place. Didn't Patty blow this up, up in here today? Good night. And it was just one of those things where, oh, my gosh, there's great music and there's great preaching. The staff's incredible. They're preaching great. There's great volunteers. There's, everything's going wonderful. The church is just growing and, and it's double. I mean, this is a great size room of people for a second service on a summer day, you know. First service was even more full than this, you know. And so, but I like you guys better. <laughs> Don't tell them that. No, so, so I just begin to think about this. And listen, for the last year and a half, I feel like what's happened is we have just become the next good church in town. You know, a percentage of giving, I'm sorry, a percentage of volunteers is probably about 15%, 20%, which guess what? That's incredible. For most churches, they'd be thrilled. But I don't want to be a mega church and be thrilled with 15 people serving, 15% serving. I want to be a micro church with macro impact. I want to release every one of you to do ministry for the kingdom of God. Not so that we can just build thousands in here. That's not the point. So that you can be in the hands of Jesus and he can break you and use you. And you can watch your own life multiply. Amen. You can watch ministry right there in front of you go forth from you and have the joy of sharing in ministry with Jesus himself. 
And so here's what came to my mind over this, that, that um, um, uh, over the last year and a half, I don't feel like I pastored it well. And I said, it, it, the first time we experienced this as a ministry, it was because of exhaustion. Okay? This time, it was because of celebration. I'm so glad it was because of celebration. But here's what I want. I want to apologize as your pastor. I feel in my inventory in the first time I came and I just rebuked everybody. And, and, but to be honest, I should have saw that coming, but I didn't. I was young. This was eight years ago. I didn't see it coming. And I just, I just didn't realize the toll of a build-out that we did ourselves would be on us as, as, a, as a body. Amen? And I, and I failed to lead it well. And, I, and when it finally came, I brought too strong a correction. Thank you, you received it. And it was all good. And God just blessed on the backside. But, but I feel I failed you again. And I feel where I failed you this time is I got lost in the joy. For a year and a half, it was nothing but just ridiculous blessing and growth. And, and now here's the thing. In the last year and a half, guess what? We have finances that are awesome, volunteers that are awesome, growth that has happened. It, it's, a, it's not like this is bad. I'm trying to catch this early. Does that make sense? What I'm saying is that there are those who sit and those who serve, and I want us to always be a people that rise up in high percentages of serving. Amen? And I feel like because of the joy, I stopped talking to it. I stopped preaching to it. I stopped challenging it. I just, I just got lost in the joy with it. And next thing you know, we'll end up, if this continues in the next five years, we'll just be a great church. And you know what? You might be a great church of 1,000 people. I'm serious. Where, where 700 of them sit on their hands, aren't growing, Visit Sunday, forget about everything else of the week, but that's the place I go. Does that make sense? Okay. So, um, <clears throat> so on my, my hike back in May, as I was praying for God to show me some stuff, because I knew, I told Brantley on, before I went on the hike, I said, there's some things about the church, I don't know what it is. And I'm praying, and I'm believing on the hike, I'm going to get some clarity. And here's what the Lord showed me. The Lord showed me, you've heard me say so often that we're a micro church with macro impact. We say that in our, in our membership class. And I always will say this in our membership class, that we want to be a micro church with macro impact. If you want to be a part of a mega church, that's not going to be us. Okay? So if you want to be a church that has thousands under one roof, that's not momentum. Over the next 20 years, if you want to be a church that has thousands under multiple roofs, that is momentum. With leaders that we send out. And, 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 but we want to be a house that has micro, a micro church that have macro impact. And on, the mission, on my hike... What I felt like the Lord was showing me is you're starting to act like a mega church. Come on. Come on. It's just satisfied with having some people in the seats, you know, but not satisfied taking them and helping them grow and really be involved and really, you know, be, be sharing in the commitment of what it takes to do ministry and to reach lives and, you know, but being able to celebrate the fact that, hey, we've got 450 people on a Sunday morning and we're growing. Praise the Lord, you know. A lot better than 40 people. Felt better. And so the Lord just started showing me that, that you're starting to act like a megachurch in, in the way you disciple. You're starting to act like a megachurch in the way that you, you do pastoral care. You're starting to act like a megachurch. Guys, we want to be in your business. We, we want to we we have life together. We want to know your needs. You know? And so this summer, when I came back from the hike, we've been working very hard on what does it look like to have pastoral care over a church of about 700. What's that look like? To have good, healthy discipleship for a church of about 700. What does that look like? You know? 
Because that'll be about the size that we are when we're getting ready to plant the next location and send a team, you know. Why? Because we don't want to have thousands under one roof. There's a sense of accountability that we had when we were a couple hundred people that you lose when you're four or five hundred people, you know. And you'll lose it even more when you're a thousand and even more when you're two thousand if you don't strive to be something different. Amen? And so as a church, I just want to be something different. And so I want to apologize. It's my fault in some ways because I, I got lost in the joy with it. And I didn't see this happening. And I didn't challenge it. And I didn't push. And I didn't get in your business, you know. There was a time when almost everybody I would talk to, it would be, hey, where are you serving at? Let me help you get connected. Or I see this gift in you. Let me get you involved in this. And, and people look at me like, oh, no, Ross is talking to me. He's going to have something for me to do. You remember those days? I'm just being honest. Remember those days? Man, percentage-wise, those were powerful days. You know why? Because the fruit of the ministry was your fruit. Not my fruit. Not the staff's fruit. It was the body's fruit. It was your fruit. Because you were doing the work of the ministry. I just want to get back there. Amen? And now here's the thing. I don't want you to think that things aren't healthy. Man, things are great. Like I said, to have that kind of percentage of volunteers is ridiculous. Most of my pastor friends would be thrilled with that. But I'm not called to be my pastor friend. I'm not called to be like that. I'm called to be who I'm called to be. And that was the whole reason why we planted this church was to release people to ministry. And so we want to help in that even more so. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, there was a time... <laughs> when it came to volunteerism especially, that, that if somebody came in, I would say, hey, Christians that are here are serve, Christians that come to a church are serving people. They're, they're, they're not people that sit on their hands. So if you're a believer and you're already at momentum, you know, it's because you're going to find a place to serve. And I would say things like this. Now, again, I was immature then, but I would say things like, so if you don't want to find a place to serve, what you can do is you can go to First Baptist and hide really easy. Remember those days when I'd say things like that? That's probably why my church was 150 people. That's probably why our church was 225 people for five years. But yeah, it was. But oh my gosh, what we did with those people, percentage-wise, with the stories, the lives changed. Does it make sense? Because I think there's a blessing when we share and everybody's doing ministry. I think God just brings the fruit of life change, you know. I just believe that with all my heart. And so my wife would say things to me like this. She'd say, Ross, do you want anybody to stay? And I'd say, yes, if they'll work, I want them to stay. <laughs> That's what I used to tell her, you know. And so we've kind of got away from that. And I, and, I, and I agree with that, you know. I would be, if you were a believer and you didn't serve, then you need to leave. But here's the thing. I do realize there are seasons where as a believer, you need to sit. Amen? And you need to rest. And you need to receive. You need to be in that chair. So there's people that are sitting and there's people that are serving. And there are times where you need to sit. And I am so much more understanding of those times because I had my butt handed to me for a few years. And I needed to rest at times in the Lord. Amen? Amen. And so um, 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 there's times when people need to just sit and be poured into. And so with that, my mind started thinking about this idea of two chairs. And so with the idea of two chairs, I used to say all the time, there's two types of people at Momentum Church. The lost and those that want to do something to reach the lost. And I'm kind of expanding that with the idea of two chairs. There's two types of chairs at Momentum Church. I know you look around and you see 250 chairs. No, no, there's only two. There's the chair that somebody sits in that needs to be served and the chair that somebody sits in who is serving. And there are seasons for you to be served. I get that. 
But man, there's times for you to rise up and start to serve. You know what's crazy? Sometimes even before you feel that full healing, that full fix, that full uh, maybe even commitment to the house, it's like I don't even know if this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Sometimes when you start serving, God starts pouring through you. And next thing you know, that's when you find your healing. That's when you find your identity. That's when you find your relationships. That's when you find discipleship and growth. So I just want to challenge us to, 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 to get to that place in our minds where we're not satisfied with just setting, that we need to be people that are serving. Amen? And, and, and people that, that, that look at life this way. There are kids that come to this church, and there's a person that needs to do something to make a difference in that kid's life. There are people that are struggling with addiction in this church, and there are people that can have something that they can do to encourage that person in that addiction and help them grow. There are people in this place that, 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 that are struggling in their marriage, and there are small groups that are couples that gather together that just doing life together will bring a fresh infusion to that couple's lives. There's two, everybody say two chairs. Two chairs. Two chairs. There's two seats. And I want us to be those that, that quickly, quickly adapt to being in that serving seat. God, where, what do you have for me to do? And so I believe as a church, if we'll do that, that will truly be a micro church with macro impact. Think about that. You know, Jethro telling Moses that it wasn't good what he was doing, but if he would develop these teams and, and have more volunteers, if you will, watching out for the needs of the people, they would go home in peace. I believe our pastoral care, I believe our, 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 our discipleship, our small groups, all those things will go to another level of concern and care so that our people that are part of this church and those that God is bringing and those that we go and do outreach with, that they will have their needs met, that they'll be able to walk in that peace. But it's going to happen because you're the body of Christ, not because Ross is the body. It's going to happen because you're the body of Christ, not because Pastor Stephanie does such an incredible job with pastoral care. It's going to happen because all of us get involved in, in the ministry of the body, amen? And so behind the scenes right now, the staff, we've had hours and hours and hours and hours of meetings since May as we're working through the things that we need to do to take care of this house better so that we can truly have a micro-type church with macro impact, not a mega church where we're really content if you just come. You know, and the, and, and the squeaky wheels we'll deal with, but, but just come. And just enough ministry that we can put on the show. I'm not saying every megachurch is that way. But as long as we can put on the, the Sunday experience, you know, I'm not against the megachurch. I think the megachurch is awesome. We got a bunch of really good ones in town, you know. But I'm saying for us, I want that intimacy. I want that closeness. Does that make sense? And that will turn other people away. I get it. There will be some people going, I don't want that. I get that. I understand that, you know. I get it. In Hebrews, last verse for today, in Hebrews 10, verse 23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day of Christ drawing near. So this idea of stirring each other to love and to good works that's what I want to see. I want us to learn to stir each other so that we'll love each other, so that we'll work towards serving each other. Really, love and good works is love and service. You know, everybody loves and ser- loves love and service when it's directed at them, right? Yeah, we all do. I heard Irwin McManus say that this kind of preaching at times people will feel judged when you're talking about love and service. Well, it's the ones that... that feel judged are usually the ones that struggle loving and serving. You know? The ones that have been loved and served and have enjoyed the benefit of it, 
Man, they're quickly wanting to love and serve. You know, everybody wants a ministry like that to them. They want a ministry that, that is loving and, and serving toward them. We've got to realize we are that ministry. Listen, ministry to us can't be our first priority. Ministry through us has to be our first priority. And when ministry through us is our first priority, guess what? Ministry to us will never be lack. It will always be abundant in the house. And that's the goal. So that we'll all begin to minister and serve. And in doing so, have our needs our needs met as a church and the lost that are coming in those that we're reaching have their needs met as well I got to thinking about this in the last couple months and, and I, I'm, I'm kind of thankful that the Lord didn't allow the $300,000 that we needed raised to come so quickly for our new building now don't lose me here okay if you're new we're building a 600 sanctuary over here but, but I got to thinking thank you Jesus that you helped us to slow down just a little bit so that we can build these teams, build this house in such a way that it has that macro impact. You, you know what could have happened? We could have had the 300000 we needed like that. We got half of it now, 150. But we could have got that 300000 last fall, broke ground this spring. In August, had, that's what I was wanting. I was wanting next this August to start the new building. And you know what? We grow 500 people just like that. Great, now we're 1,100 people with 15% of the people serving. People be happy with that. We're well on our way to being a mega church. Oh, God, I think it slowed us down a little so that we can address this stuff. Isn't that awesome? So we can grow and learn and, man, really become that church that he's going to use for the next 20, 25 years. I mean, I just say that because then I'll be dead <laughs> for however long. Then somebody else will take over. That's what God's done. He's been gracious. So now as we're raising money, now as we're working and we get ready to break that ground, you know, maybe in the spring, when that's happening, we'll be healthy. We'll be ready to receive that. Amen. And as we grow, as we probably will double again, I get that. But it won't just be crowds. It won't, it'll be us serving and teaching people to serve and such. stand to our feet. <laughs> so I just want us to challenge ourselves to have a commitment to pour. You know, to pour deeper into others, knowing that as we pour the overflow in the collective body, we're going to get wet too. It's just what happens, you know. As you serve, as you pour, and another person pours, and people pour, and it just becomes the, the heart of this house to pour. Those other needs, those needs that are there, I mean, they'll be met. It just is what, it's what happens when we all begin to pour. And I want to challenge us to do that. Because I want us to be the church that you want to be the church when you're in need. Can I say that again? I want us to be the church that you want to be the church when you're in need. And for that to happen, we've got to do it. We've got to take those steps forward. I, I want us to be a place where, where lives can be saved. I want us to be a place where marriages can be healed, where, where people who are in bondage can find deliverance, uh, a place, Lord, where, where people who struggle with identity can find who they are in Jesus. I, I want to be that kind of place that, 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 that the chains fall off, the place that hope comes. Amen.
that place that, that God has his way in and through us, and that place where he takes us in his hands. That's an intimate thing, and he breaks us, and he blesses us, and he uses us to meet the needs of hundreds and hundreds of people. Amen? Let's sing this chant together. without the sacrifice of many. We can't expect that. Needs are never met apart from someone else's sacrifice. It's just almost everything that ever happens, happens on the backside of sacrifice. Somebody sacrificing time or, or finances or, or maybe preference. Do you know there's older people in this church that I love dearly, that, that they hate that we rock our faces off in here? I don't say they hate it, but, you know, it's just not their preference. But they sacrifice it to reach young families, you know. So I don't know what kind of sacrifice you have to make to do ministry. But it's always on the backside of sacrifice. You wouldn't have been able to have salvation without Jesus sacrificing his life on the cross. It's always about that. But, but, but pastor, I don't have time. I don't have the energy. I don't have maybe even the desire. I get it. I saw that with the disciples. We're in a desolate place. Let's go cook out. Let them leave. They can, no, no. With compassion, you have something to offer them. Just put what you have in my hands. Make yourself available. Make yourself available. And watch me do a mighty, mighty thing. God gave the 12 disciples more than they needed when they gave God what they had. So there's two ways we're going to give God what we have. Two ways that we're going to answer the call of this challenge from God and maintain the mandate that's on this already awesome house. I'm telling you, this place, I hope you don't feel rebuked, but the, where we're at as a church and the percentage of volunteerism is ridiculously amazing. Okay? It really is. I just feel that it needs challenge to be the church that God wants us to be. There's something about when you do, when you serve, it puts a demand on you, and it causes you to grow. I want to see you grow. But, Pastor, I don't feel good enough to. I know. 
It helps you grow. Pastor, I may choke a child. I know. It'll cause patience to grow in you. And you're allowed, even if you feel that way, as long as you haven't ever choked a child. Then you're not allowed, okay? No, but it causes patience. It causes us to develop and to grow. So the first thing we're going to do with your phone, search on the computer. This isn't an app. This is a website. It's www.mymomentumchurch.tv. www.mymomentumchurch.tv. Go ahead and pull it up. Mymomentumchurch.tv. What I want you to do is go over to where it says serving. Service. Volunteer you. Open that up. And if you're already a, one that volunteers somewhere, find where you serve and, and just click it. Okay. If, if, if you haven't a serving ministry, if there's not something that you don't do in the church, I want you to at least pick one thing. And, and what we're going to do over the next week, we're going to be contacting you. And we want you to come out to a volunteer kickoff event on Friday, August 3rd. That night, there'll be food and some games, some prizes, some good times, and some things that you'll need to be, to know as volunteers, okay? And so we want you to come out that Friday night, but I haven't even started serving yet. That's fine, it's for you too. If you click on that, that night's for you. As we get ready for this fall, as we get ready for the next miracle that God wants to do in this house. Every single time that we have engaged God at this level, God has poured out signs, wonders, and miraculous stories of life change. Don't you want to be a part of that? Yeah. And so I'm inviting you, number one, to do that and to come be a part of our volunteer kickoff event. Number two, the second thing I want you to do is I want you to be a bringer. Everybody say, be a bringer. Be a bringer. On Sunday, August 5th, we'll have our Friends Sunday. That's Sunday morning. And I'm doing a series. We're starting that week called Asking for a Friend. Asking for a Friend. We're going to be looking at some really neat issues all through August. You're going to want your friend to be there that first Sunday as we preach the gospel to them. Amen? And so bring them. And here's what we're going to do to help make that possible. Out here, as you leave this sanctuary, there's a table. And there's these cards. Usually we'll have one invite card. We have a bunch of invite cards. What do they say? Well, they say maybe an area that you found hope in. And so look and find the one that relates to you. Here's one. I found hope for my depression. Maybe, maybe that's something that Jesus did in your life. And he did it here at the church, you know? Hey, God is bringing healing in my life, in, in my mental state, my depression. And I want to invite you as my friend to come to service, you know? And so there's that. I found hope for my addiction. Maybe God's given me freedom from addiction. There you go. This one here, I found hope for my family. So maybe it's a little more generic. Grab that. I found hope. I love this one. This is broad. I found hope for my dysfunction. You know what, buddy? I want you to come to church because I was tore up from the floor up, messed from the chest up, you know? And um, I want you to come, man, because I'm finding over my dysfunction, man. Life was weird for me. Man, I want you to come. There you go. I found hope for my marriage. We have two of these I found hope. We have a young I found hope for my marriage and an older I found hope for my marriage, okay? So you can grab those. This one here, I found hope for my hurt. I found hope for my hurt. And then the final one is I found hope for my... And it's a blank. And you can fill it in with whatever you feel like filling it in and give it to someone. Amen? And so I want to do something as we dismiss. I know we went long today. It's my first time back in a few weeks. I always go long. I'm sorry when I first come back. I just have a lot to say. I want you to stretch your hands this way to this, these cards, okay? We're just going to pray for August 5th 
and for that month, because God's going to be bringing, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of guests in here. And I want to challenge every one of you, bring a friend. Just commit, try to bring one friend that, that August 5th in that month, all right? Let's pray. Father, right now, you see lives, lives that need the message of hope, lives that need to know that you can bring deliverance and strength in the area of depression or addiction, lives that need, that they need to know that there's principles for, for raising families and that they're not alone in trying to raise a healthy family. There's help for them, Jesus. Lord God, we just ask that as we invite people that you would anoint to our invite, and that, Lord God, you draw them to this place for your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You give God praise. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.